Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Georgian trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name's Nick Gingval with my guys Mike and Rowett to talk some kicks. What's good, fellas? How you guys doing? What up, man? Doing good here. Got a little temperature drop in Texas, so I can't complain. How you doing, Rowett? Oh, nice. I'm doing well as well. Another overcast paradise day here in Portland, Oregon. Noise. Yeah, we uh we got we got some cold temps to to start off the week. So uh I mean cold, relative. It's all relative. <laughs> exactly. My, to, to Mike and I, cold is, you know, like fifty degrees. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, think, like I think we're all in agreement. Wherever you are in the world, fifty degrees is cold, regardless <laughs> of Sacramento fifty degrees or Houston fifty degrees. Fifty degrees is fifty degrees for sure. <laughs> All, 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 all of my friends that are listening that are still in Detroit, I mean, they're they're probably thinking fifty. We'd be wearing shorts if it was fifty. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for them. Snow? Mm-mm. No, not for me. No. Yeah. That's a uh, that's that's like always one of the things. Like I've moved around a lot, right? You know, I've lived in California, Oregon, Texas, Michigan, New York, Colorado. At the end of the day, if I can just erase the possibility of bad weather or the extra concern or thought that I have to go. It's, it's hard enough for me to decide what pair of shoes to wear. So if, if I got to worry about the weather on top of that, you know, I just don't last long in that kind of environment. <laughs> that's I'm probably a true sneaker head for sure because i mean right now i think for a lot of us it's definitely beater season so this is where you get all those shoes that you mowed lawns with and did your daily errands and you just hope that you can ride those out until the next beautiful spring day that's when the heat comes out <laughs> yep. yep so uh that said what are you guys what are you guys rocking what are you guys copping this week yeah, man. Uh, what I am rocking is actually something the nice people at Puma sent over, and it was the uh, the the new Clyde All Pro. Dude, this shoe is literally like they just keep getting better with every basketball shoe. This thing's crazy. I actually, have to play in it, and it reminds me of playing in like it's safe they took a Kobe four, Kobe five, and upgraded with better like uh, materials on the upper. If they oh, wow. were flying it Kobe four or five, that would be this shoe. Freaking, it's, it's a great shoe. And then uh, what I'm looking to cop, uh, I mean, same things I've been talking about before. I think I will have to add in that uh, there's an end fossil pack with uh, with Reebok and this Instapunk Fury. And there's this all gray pair with this really nice suede on it. 
looks pretty clean. So I went to add that to my list. Nice. Uh, what I was rocking today when I did go out to get the mail, I actually put on my what the Kobe sevens because I think Ooh. the eights, while probably those show stopping numbers we all attribute with that line, the sevens were kind of freaky in their own right. And I just appreciated the amount of detail that went into that shoe that wasn't really apparent unless you got a really close look at it. And as for what I'm copying, I'm really not sure. So I'll defer and I'll pass the buck over to you, uh, Nick. What are you copying and rocking? Um, so I wore the Packer, uh, Packer shoes Reebok question today. I can't remember which version it's the, uh, it's, it's blue with like the white toe. I think it's, it's either the hall of fame or like the, I don't know what it is, but it's a beautiful shoe. It's one of my favorite questions. Um, Sixers colors, like just, just perfect nostalgia. Um, I guess confirming your, uh, your comments on still being able to wear stuff that I'm not necessarily too worried about. Uh, and then as far as what I'm looking at, uh, I mean, I've been looking at a lot of air maxes lately. Uh, there's a like reverse kind of infrared radiant red, I guess is what we're calling it this year. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's like basically black around the upper like mesh the mesh is black instead of instead of white um the swoosh is black i think it's it's on uh it's on finish line i'll throw the link in the description for all these choices but uh i'm just kind of I, I don't know like i love infrared and i ended up getting my hands on a pair of the uh infrared 90s or radiant red 90s air max 3s and so that led me down the path of, oh, I need other colorways, which is absolutely not true. But somehow my mind has been convinced. So been, that's, my, that's been my shopping habits for the last few days. <laughs> it's like a drug, man. You get one, you can't stop. Yeah. It really is. It really is. <laughs> drug, Pringles, Pokemon. It's just definitely that cap got to catch them all. <laughs> That was for Rob. I know Robbie's our renowned Pokemon historian in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny is I don't know if if I, I can't. I'm hoping that I'm not the only person that does this, but I I almost like despise when collaborations come out and it's like three different colorways of a shoe because I'll get one of them and if I really like it. I for sure want the other ones, even though I know I'm not going to be a fan of the other colorways. Like, for instance, the I actually they didn't come in yet, but I ordered the um, the ZX 8000 Bape, uh, you know, undefeated. Right. I ordered the black pair because that's like the most wearable of the colors. Yeah. And then I I couldn't stop looking at the green pair, but I don't even like green. I don't even like I don't have a reason to wear it. But like. I didn't buy it, thankfully, and they eventually sold out of my size, so I didn't have to have the, you know, the temptation. But it's just one of those things where I feel like you want the complementing pieces to the story in some weird way that's not logical at all. Just, you know, kind of showing your addiction to sneakers, I guess. I don't know. But it's probably that way in other – it for sure is that way in other things for me, especially like food, right? But. Yeah. Totally get That's, it. In fact, the Kobe undefeated Protero pack, I really like the multicolor Kobe or the lottery Kobe. I just know that I'm a filthy individual. So if I ever get a 
pair of white sneakers, it's just better at not wear them and they maintain that pristine condition. So I was fortunate to hit on the pack, but really those white sneakers are just going to kind of stay in dead stock until I guess all hell breaks loose. And then I'm like, yeah, finally, I've found the reason <laughs> everything has gone nuts. I must wear these white sneakers, but I'm too scared to wear those. But give me a good multicolored sneaker any day of the week. So I totally feel your pain in that regard. <laughs> Crazy habits that I think uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people can relate to in the sneaker world. Speaking of relatable, though, we got a couple of good reviews coming in, so I'm going to read one of them. This one comes from Beautiful Gentry. Great podcast. Longtime friend of Robbie's. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work, guys. Five stars. So thank you, Beautiful Gentry, for the review. Robbie's not here, but I'm just going to say, Robbie, thanks you for your friendship as well. And we appreciate anybody that takes the time to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us, leaves us a review. Um, it's really the, the best way for us to continue to grow the audience of the podcast. And that helps us get in more in front of more people and just spread the spread the love here. So if you have a minute, uh, definitely check out iTunes and leave us a review. If you want more content, um, I know we missed an episode or two over the last couple of weeks because we've all just kind of had some stuff going on. But there's a bunch of Patreon exclusive episodes on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash sneaker history. And that's linked in the description as well. You can join and get access to our discord, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point in this episode, because we all tend to spend a lot of time in there chopping it up. Mm-hmm. And on our Patreon, you can get access to the discord for, I think as low as five bucks a month. So um, if you're interested in more content from us, definitely check that out. It really helps us kind of, keep things moving and keeping the lights on here with the podcast. So definitely appreciate it. Everybody goes in there. I love the comments. For sure. I mean, I just saw the secret Santa thread on discord and believe me, I'm going to sign up for that because who better to get something random and cool from this holiday season than a closest community of your sneaker buying friends. So that's my plug for the discord. Nice. Yep. Yep. Definitely a good call. Sneaks. The sneaker secret Santa, sneaker secret Santa, sneaker history secret Santa. There's there's something there, but I can't say it the right way. Uh, Porky Pig favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I I, I'm really curious to see what what comes from it because it's just going to be fun, you know. And it's 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 nice to have a place that I guess doesn't feel as uh, as controlled by the algorithms as as most most of the social media platforms right now. So that's the truth. So uh, we got plenty of good stuff to talk about. Um, I think we'll probably run through a little bit of the Jordan releases that we've seen coming up. But before we get into that, uh, I guess I'm going to toss it to you, Roit, because Adidas has some pretty, seems like some pretty cool technology dropping right now. That is correct, Nick. Uh, We've got the first... GMR challenge, as Adidas is calling it, and GMR is the insole that recognizes physical movements that footballers make on pitch, such as measuring kicks, shot power, distance, and speed. And what Adidas is doing is they're picking their young starlet, Yao Phoenix, from Atletico Madrid, and he's challenging fans all around the world to put their football skills to the test and compete against them in this Prove It With GMR shot power challenge. A new challenge that basically says... Let's take that real-life action you do on the pitch and give you a virtual reward. So wearing this insole, fans must showcase their skill and flair by kicking the ball up in the air and then being creative with it 
before the ball gets down on the ground and they volley the ball towards the goal as hard as possible. The global leaderboard will rank each attempt with the top 20 players and their scores posted on Adidas's Instagram highlights at the end of each day. Fans are encouraged to post their efforts on social media using the hashtag GMR for a chance to feature across Adidas social platforms. FIFA mobilized prizes will also be offered to everyone who takes part over the next two weeks, and the bigger rewards are those that make the top 20 overall. I think this is kind of a sign of the times in the sense that we're partnering with Google because they've got the technology for the GMR insole, which utilizes something called the Jockard chip and FIFA because FIFA has just come out. And I think we are a video game era, especially in the sports sense that I think for my generation, it used to be Madden. My younger brother's generation, it is 2K. And now I think the international equivalent is FIFA. So it's really interesting that we're seeing this coming together of these three unique and everyday entities of sneakers, sports, and technology. And I, for one, am excited about it. I think Adidas picked the right guy to kind of spearhead this because Jao Felix is essentially going to be the Cristiano Ronaldo for the next two decades, if all things go well. And I'm inspired to see what all this inspires, not only the athletes in terms of their creativity and what they're putting out for their shop, but then how are other brands going to utilize similar technology going forward? What do you guys make of this? I just can't wait to see the, to see the videos that are, you know, people pop up on social media with these crazy shots they're going to try to put together. So um, at least for me, it's pure entertainment. I, I do really like soccer. I am uh, borderline okay at it. and uh, I, But I do, man, I respect the sport so much because it's just so tough. So, so much endurance needed, so much, you know, I guess foot-eye coordination that I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm really interested to see the kind of cool stuff people put together. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a very casual fan at best but i think the concept and the just the overall engagement of the idea that you're going to see from it will be incredible right i'm just i'm just thinking of like the uh i forget what the the name that actually trended with it but that trend from a year or two ago where everybody was kicking the bottle cap off of the bottles oh yeah like oh, I thought you could just see how yeah, but so you could just see how something like this like takes it to another level, right? Because you have the technology wrapped up in it and I mean it just seems like a lot of fun, a lot of I just think you're going to see a lot of cool stuff come from it. I think we're going to see some cool skill-based stuff and the thing I'm always here for is the lols. So I think we're going to get a lot of good comedy entries as well and I'm wondering do those merit a special mention at the end of the day, but yeah, I think for me, one of those very first YouTube moments I had was the old Nike spot where Ronaldinho had put on his brand new sneakers and he was doing the crossbar challenge because yeah. everything is a challenge. And just to see him knock the ball off the crossbar, have the ball come back to him, him control it on his chest and then repeat like 15 times. And you're wondering how much of this, this is real, how much of this is <laughs> fake. And you don't even care because it just looks smooth. <laughs> And I'm just here for that imagination because that's the best part of sports. And that's the best part of sneakers is just seeing the stories being told. So I'm looking forward to this. So good work, Adidas. Yeah, most definitely. I can, yeah. I would definitely co-sign that. It's, it's, it seems, I mean, this might be a little, little off topic, but it seems like, like we, with everything else that goes on, you know, we talk about like the Pokemon of the world it seems like we would have way more of this stuff going on. So, I mean, hopefully this is like the foundation of something much bigger that, that can be expanded upon throughout, you know, like you said, footwear and sports. 
No, for sure. And then I'm also holding out hope that there's an Among Us challenge because I definitely see some imposters out there in the world. <laughs> oh my god, you're sus! What? What, dude? I didn't know what that meant for the longest time. I didn't play it. I'm like, what is going on? And I didn't realize that's just a way for people to shorten another word. Oh, put it this way. We did a family session and my wife had to ask me what that meant. And I was unsure. So I was wondering if that made me sus. And then recently <laughs> one of my cousins had to explain to me what cap meant. And I was just like, yeah, uh, I'm officially retired. I'm here in the Vince Carter portion of my career as a professional slangologist. I'm just here to make sure you guys don't get fired and maintain all these <laughs> hard so. I'm here so I don't get fired. That's why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so what else you want to talk about mike where you want to go next shoot man um i know we're going to talk about the jordans but um i wanted to jump actually because you know i got some cool info from from reebok the other day and they're actually going to be releasing starting on the 20th their uh alternate basketball pack and what that is is a couple different sneakers and some alternate you know jersey colors so you have a question that's going to be draped in you know the black red and you know goldish yellow sixers jersey colors you're going to have a kamikaze dressed in what i'm guessing now this one i just wasn't quite sure but i guess i never i guess i never really saw the jersey but is an alternate supersonics jersey that's predominantly red with green and black accents and then of course those two are going to drop on the 20th, but there's one more of the pack. You know, the shoe I've been drooling over all year, and that's going to be the yellow toe question. And that one does not have a release date as of yet. It's supposed to be coming later in December. But that one, of course, pays homage to the white and gold Lakers colorway, uh, that jersey. So a lot of cool stuff with those guys. Um, and what's even better is that I know a lot of people are posting the sneakers, but they aren't really posting a full story. But this is actually a... Um, a partnership they're having with Stand Up for Kids, which is a uh, organization that helps supports homeless youth and tries to like stop it. By uh, so, what happens is they're actually going to be working with this group uh, for this time period to go ahead and um, you know build like build awareness around this particular uh, you know situation of homeless kids and just you know really spreading awareness with that. So, I mean. They're going to provide sneakers and funding to uh, to kids in that group. So, I mean, I think it's really cool. Like the sneakers are amazing, but the calls is even better, especially with, you know, holidays coming around. You know, it's always good to give back. We always got to, We all have a ton of stuff. Like, let's let's get back to some other people. Yeah, it's uh, pretty awesome. Yep. I think that's really all we can say about that. It's interesting because I was unaware of this, but I know that Adidas was doing the same concept, this reverse or alternate collection for their NHL jerseys. And they were just flipping the traditional color schemes of a team like the St. Louis Blues or the Detroit Red Wings and modernizing the jerseys. And those look pretty sick as well. So I like this direction. I think it's a unique way to tell a new story. And I hope that there is that charitable contribution that Stand Up was doing for the Reebok pack that Adidas is hopefully leveraging for, I guess, communities that play hockey. That'd be dope. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I love the idea of all of these kind of like flipped versions, right? It's, it reminds me of, you know, the the NBA, like alternate jerseys, right? And to be able to do something for a bigger cause, 
you know, kind of just obvious win-win. So it's cool yeah. to see. So uh, should we, what do you think? Should we go towards the Jordan releases first and then get into some of those uh, more interesting signature sneakers in the NBA? Let's do I think it. so. Yeah, let's go with Jordan. All right. So J- Jordan brand, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of this stuff somewhere, either a mock-up or otherwise over the past, you know, a couple months. But Jordan brand officially released uh, all of the spring 2021 lineup. And uh, there's a there's a lot of good stuff in it. I mean, I, I looked through it a few different times thinking that maybe I just looked at it in you know, too longingly of a way the first time and needed to back off and just give it space and make sure that it was real energy that I was, you know, feeling between some of these shoes. So I think we should just run through the whole list and kind of give a, 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 a a thumbs up, a thumbs down and and a quick take on all of them. What do you guys think? Let's do it. Makes sense. Yep. So I am going to start with the, Jordan nine cactus flower, which is a women's release. Uh, it's kind of a white based with multicolor paneling, a little bit of a cactus flower, yellow. And I'm a, I'm a like big fan of this shoe. I, I think it's, I think it's super dope. I don't know that I've ever seen the like mud guard wraparound panels that, you know, that wrap around the bottom of the Jordan nine in Mm -hmm. multicolors like this. And maybe that's why it just like looks cool to me, but obviously I'm not going to be able to get this in my, in my size, but uh, I'm, I'm actually a fan of the colorway. Yeah, man. I am not a big fan of Jordan nines, but I really like this one. And uh, this one of those ones, if I see it sitting around and to have that random uh, size 11 and a half and women just hanging out for sale, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to buying it. Yeah, I'm wondering what that size distribution is going to be for the upper echelon sizes because this is a hot shoe and I'm jealous, ladies, because this is also the first time that the Jordan brand has made it and has made the nine exclusive to the ladies. And you guys are definitely getting a winner here. And then the other thing that I also thought was interesting was the fact that the shoe is also employing unique color schemes on both the shoes using vegetable tan materials and natural plant-based dyes. So continuing that cactus motif. It truly is a salt of the earth and a very homegrown shoe. And I think this might be my favorite out of all of the ones that we're going to speak of today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's super dope. So, um, uh, next up, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Air Jordan 13 starfish, but I think Mike has alluded to this being the shattered backboard Jordan 13 in previous episodes. So basically you got kind of a classic, a classic uh, Jordan model with, you know, kind of a, I guess now iconic storyline from Jordan brand, right? With the black and orange and and white for the shattered backboard. I'm I'm a fan, obviously you could pretty much put those three colors on any of the Jordan models and I'm going to like it. So uh, what do you guys think? I mean, I, I like it too, but I already knew this was like the, the Nick Nick Ingvall shoe of 2021. So uh, <laughs> get this man a new orange fitted for the Giants and uh, give him a fresh pair of these 13s. Come on, Jordan Brand, just, just send them over. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I'm going to give you the Lord of the Rings meme where it's like, you have my sword, you have my 
you have my speakers pass for this, Nick. So just call me if you need that extra size on this. And what better way to cap off the Phoenix Suns Chris Paul marriage than probably wearing these some point because I think this is a beautiful shoe and it deserves to be worn in Phoenix from their new point guard. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah. So that one actually has a hard release date to January 2nd. So uh, if, uh, if, if you're looking for it, that's when you'll find it. Uh, <laughs> next up is the uh, Air Jordan 1 High OG Volt Gold colorway, which it's kind of like a black toe with, with both Volt and a, I don't know that I would call it gold on the back heel, but like a, I guess gold works. What do you guys think of this one? I'm I'm not a fan at all of this colorway. I liked it until you see the wings logo area. I don't like that vault. I really like the tongue how it's backwards. That's kind of cool. But the vault wing section on an ankle really just killed it for me. Yeah, I, I try not to knock sneakers because I know how hard it is to design them. And it just kind of sticks out a little. And I was going to say, the back end reminds me more of a mustard yellow than a gold. But I'm always yeah. also always thinking about food, so bear with me there. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's that's perfect, yeah. I mean, I, I also – one thing that I'm not a fan of on the Jordan 1 is like that kind of exaggerated padding around the wings logo, like – or the, you know, when they're, especially if they're loose, I just think it adds a little too much to it. I'd rather have it just be kind of consistent with the panels that are close to it. That extra padding reminds me of like the AJKO because of that, just the different construction of it. That, yeah. that wing looks very similar to that. Uh, so next up, we've got the Air Jordan 9 University Gold. Basically, like uh, if, if, you, if you're familiar with the charcoal nines, essentially it's the same same colorway as a charcoal nine with the red replaced with university gold so uh if you're uh let's say uh a colorado buffaloes fan or similar themed yep. color theme this is this is probably right up your alley um i think i think the jordan nine is a, a good looking shoe it's harder to wear for me now um but i think i could say that about all jordan retros at this point but color colorway is pretty nice in my opinion it's not bad uh clean colorway i i would have to give the women's pair the nod over this one though yeah uh i'm from that area that also has black and gold go missouri tigers but yeah there if you're you go. gonna give me the option of picking one nine i'm gonna rock with the ladies night uh nine that we saw earlier or the cactus flower uh, next up, we got the Jordan One High OG Women's Silver Toe. Seen this, seen a lot of a lot of mockups of this one uh, recently, but the official release date is February twelfth. Uh, goes up to men's size fifteen. So, uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> Was that like wow? Like I want to get this one a while. You just don't care. No, that's. <laughs> It's it's more like a wow. Now this is actually a possibility, and I didn't think I would. You know, like I might have to back away from the computer for a minute so I can, you know, calm myself down and <laughs> soak it all in. Myself of what the bank account looks like when I think of buying all these shoes. Uh, <laughs> um, I like them, uh, but I probably try to get these for my wife because she's a Spurs fan. Very, uh, if you can imagine, arguments in our home. Um, but yeah, I think she would like these and they're, they're cool regardless. I mean, I would wear them, but not the same time as her because I'm not a Spurs fan. I wouldn't give her the satisfaction. 
now that our resident San Antonio Spurs, uh, Mike has kind of given his take on it as well. I, it's an hey, issue. You do not, you do not say, <laughs> Now, if, if you guys ask nicely, Mike will show you his Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker tramp stamp tattoo. But you have to ask so, the last, in fact, I've probably said too much, so let's just keep it moving. What's up next, Nick? <laughs> next up, we got the Air Jordan 5 Anthracite. Um, basically an all black Jordan five, but the materials on this one make it really kind of unique. It's, it's not quite black on all of the upper because of the materials. You got a little bit of like true anthracite on there. Um, I don't know. I, I like the colorway a ton, but I don't know if I like the material choices on this one. What is it? Like I'm trying to figure out what the material is. It looks like the mud guard of the nine, but just all over the five. So, so I think the, I think the, the back heel and ankle collar and the like mud guard on the front are an actual, like, like almost like a low cut suede. Um, uh, and then I think the black on the toe box and kind of around the, the side panel, um, and on the tongue is, um, oh shoot. I forget. It's, it's almost like that, like really fine mesh like yeah. thicker mesh though it's it's mm-hmm. like thick and fine at the same time that doesn't make sense now now that i'm saying it out loud but um you can you can actually check out there's pictures of this on the instagram on the sneaker history instagram if you haven't seen it yet so head over there and uh make your judgments but what do you think of this one Roy? And you guys are my sneaker gurus along with Robbie, but I'm getting Jordan for fear vibes. Like this almost seems like an updated version of a five with that mindset, but yeah, it's a nice shoe. I wonder how these look in person because they have a distinct visual quality that's kind of popping off the screen. And I'm wondering, is it even more vibrant when you hold it in hand or is this just the power of that Beaverton magic, so to speak? (laughs) It could be. And, and I think one of the things now that I'm looking a little, little bit longer at it, um, the like contrast stitching makes the shoe a yeah. lot different than most of the other Jordan fives, right? Like all the panels are stitched together in, uh, what I assume is kind of like a, either a, a light gray or a white, um, which mm. I don't know. I mean, both of these shoes have a very kind of spurs, but to me, I think of the Raiders, right? Like these are both like yeah. very Raiders, you know, esque colorways. I could, I could see them being really popular, you know, even, even without being, you know, connected to the Raiders, like the colors are just pretty simple and easy for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But the next one on the list, I think is probably could be the most uh, desirable of the upcoming Jordan releases. It drops February 27th, the Air Jordan three cool gray. I'm I'm a big fan of the original. This one seems a little different. I don't know if it's uh, just the nature of the new photos, but I, I think it looks good. What do you guys think of this one? It's a little darker than the original, but I think you could be right. I think it could be the photos. I really like it. Um, I'm having this eking feeling is going to do what the Mocha 3s did, and the people who really wanted them are going to get them, and the rest is going to sit. But at the same time, it looks to utilize the, the new – uh, the new construction of the three where everybody's really excited when it started coming out with the, uh, the Chicago Unite threes, where it's the uh, slimmer toe box, slimmer tongue. So I don't, I really like them, but I, I'm kind of in a, uh, 
going to toss up if they're actually going to sell out or if they're going to sit because like cool gray fours, mocha threes, those colors everybody clamored for, said they wanted back. They just didn't go anywhere. Now, I usually have a rule that I try not to buy the newer colorways. I tend to buy OGs only for the threes, and I'm not going to break that rule. It's a nice shoe, but I think I'm with you, Mike. I think it's going to sit for a little bit. So next up, uh, let's go with the Jordan 5, which I kind of, I guess people are calling the Stealth 2.0. It's kind of, I don't don't know about that nickname, but. Yeah, I guess, are they referring to the gray, which, I mean, it's the only thing I could think of, they would be calling it Stealth, but I just look at this, I don't see like where it would even reference, but you know, that wouldn't be the first time they've named something that's just kind of out of whack, but. Nice shoe. I don't like fives that much. I mean, I think it was kind of established, but I really don't like white fives because they look even bigger on foot than a, a black five or any yellow color. Yeah, that's a no for me, dog. I just, I don't know. <laughs> Something about it. It's just very white. Yeah. I think, I think I've, uh, I, I, w- I would probably, you know, go back to what you just said about, you know, the Jordan threes that you purchased, right? For me, the fives almost always have to be an OG colorway. So this particular colorway, the stealth version, the stealth version came out in like 2006. And basically the, the midsole, um, I want to say the midsole was, was gray and then had blue, the blue kind of, uh, I don't know what you call those like teeth teeth on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so essentially they just, you know, kind of, updated and flipped it around a little bit but i mean it looks very very similar to the original from 2006 but uh, i mean i wasn't necessarily a fan of that one at that time either so i will say this your point about the stitching on the other five it's a lot more apparent and i'm kind of glad we went the order that we did with the fives because that different color stitching definitely makes it a lot more vibrant Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um let's see here so let's go air jordan 4 university blue uh i I saw the text message earlier i'm pretty sure mike's a fan of this one yep i just always love university blue jordans uh i already told everyone in our in our text group that if you're not going for just go ahead and put that size 10 in because i really like this one i like the different tongue tag uh i like how they kind of utilize the white cement uh, for as the base but i can care less if it looks similar to unc um, PE, I, I don't give a crap. I'm not a UNC fan. I just like the shoe. <laughs> now I was going to say it's Houston Oilers blue, right? In a sense. There we go. I mean, I could put a couple of little touches of red on there and then call it an Oilers color. Yeah, there you go. Warren Moon will be happy. And um, it's even got some Spurs colors for you, Mike. So yeah, we don't want that. I, I, God, we don't need that here. <laughs> no, no, that'll be my last one. <laughs> So I, I'm actually a pretty big fan of this one too. I mean, it's it's basically like it reminds me of you know if you just had a you know a, a Carolina white cement, but it like you said the the labels on the tongue um, they they I assume those are off of kind of those old you know vintage I don't remember when those were but probably you know late nineties where Jordan's like sitting on the basketball. He's actually wearing Jordan nines in the ad, mm. but it's like the team sports ads and yeah. Chris Weber was in one, uh, you know, Jordan was in one. There was a bunch of people, but 
the, those labels from that era kind of have that similar vibe as to like what we're seeing on the tongue of the Jordan four, which, you know, it still has the flight logo on it, which is something that I probably would, would say always has to be on the Jordan four to me, because I love that scripted flight logo. Yeah. Um, it just, it seemed it, now when I look at it, it looks like a little kid wrote it, but it still just reminds me of being a kid myself. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of these ones. Hopefully I can get a pair too. My only fear of this one, and Roy actually, when he said it, made me think about it. The oil is still away. I don't want people to do what they did with the mochas and say, ooh, Travis Scott Light. Y'all stay away from this shoe. I, me and Nick want it. All right. But you my <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of funny how we, how the colorways get twisted into whatever happened, whatever trend happened, you know, within the last six months to, to a year. Right. Right. But yeah. Anyway, kids are going to kid, right. That's what they yeah. do. They are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so let's go uh, next up with a Jordan four women's starfish. Uh, we talked about this one before. It's a women's colorway, basically a, a black, Jordan four with orange underlays. Uh, looks like it's dropping January 21st, $190. I like it, but probably won't be something that I can get my hands on in my size. It looks like. So it's not what I expected when they put starfish out, you know, we, everyone made the assumption all the mock-ups were a, another quote unquote shattered backboard colorway, but I like this and I would really like it. I mean, I know it's really just kind of one of those, um, you know, just little add-ons or little trends people do. But if they had tearaway uppers on this, I think that'd be super dope. It's a good-looking shoe. I am sharing a similar sentiment to Nick where I don't think I'm going to get it in my size. So I'm trying to socially distance myself away from getting attached. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice use of social distance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So last one of the spring 2021 Jordan retro releases, uh, I guess not in order, but this one drops February 20th. Uh, the Air Jordan one high OG university blue. This is, uh, almost like an easy yes, please for me. But I also assume that this won't be easy to get my hands on. What do you guys think? It's a great shoe. It's a it's good a looking shoe. shoe. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. If you asked me to get one of your size, I would probably do it before I bought it for myself. I don't think I'd ever wear it, but it's a great looking shoe. Same. So look, I, the way I look at it, Nick, you've got two additional entries on sneakers. Hopefully, one of us hits for you. There you go. <laughs> right on. Thanks. Um, all right. So that's the Jordan releases. Obviously, some pretty good stuff coming. I'm sure we'll talk more about more that get added to this list, considering. Uh, we almost see Jordan Retro's release every week at this point, right? So, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm actually almost more excited to talk about kind of, uh, uh, I guess, our, our main topic, even though we're kind of doing a lot of things on this episode. Uh, I'll toss it to you, Rowett, to talk about uh, these kind of unsuspecting signature sneakers in the NBA that we're seeing right now. Right. So I will use the 
email that was sent to us via text by one Michael Gilroy. So free agent guard Fred Van Vliet has officially signed a multi-year deal with Leaning per Nick DePaula. And this kind of got us talking about the fact that, hey, for the first time in a long time, a lot of these... I don't want to say lesser brands, but these brands that we're not as familiar with as we are with the Nikes and the Audis of the world, they're picking up a very diverse and very talented roster of endorsers. And that kind of led us down this rabbit hole of, okay, who are some of the best players that don't have a shoe with the big two in terms of a signature model? So a couple of the items that we put down on our list was from an Anta perspective, we had Gordon Hayward and Clay Thompson. Under Armour, we had Joel Embiid. Jeremy Lin had the, I believe it's the cross-step one, but apologies if I'm butchering that. And then Li Ning, who's kind of always been that leading light in the other brands, if you will have CJ McCollum, the newly mentioned Fred Van Vliet, and Evan Turner. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is also where Dwayne Wade and his brand currently sit. Is that accurate? I think you got everything on the money there, if I, if I heard you right. Yeah. yeah, so it's definitely one of those things where we were having another discussion off mic, and really, if we're smart, we'll, we'll charge for those off mic discussions because those are even more interesting than <laughs> you have here, clearly. But it's one of those things that it's a great time to be a role player because we're seeing the game expand to a global sense in a way we've never seen before, where not only is it the sixth man, but it's the seventh, the eighth, or the ninth man that's getting a signature deal. And it just speaks to the fact that basketball seems to be the most popular sport globally, maybe because of the stylistic contributions off the court, but also the fact that this is a game that rewards its visibility because it's the only other game other than global football where there's no facial protection. So in American football, you have a mask. In baseball, you have a hat. In hockey, you have your visor and your helmet. And I think that does a lot in terms of not allowing us to truly see these guys as pitch men and pitch women. And I think that's where basketball has succeeded. And it's really made a who's who of endorsers because Swaggy P has a uh, has a sneaker. So does D'Angelo Russell. And we were kind of talking about the fact that we will see this even going further in the sense that it's a, it's a pattern that I'm noticing where a lot of the young high school players now are considering HBCUs. I believe Mikey Williams or Mikey, as he's known on Instagram, and apologies if I get the name wrong, is this first player who's like a number one overall prospect that's going into the collegiate year. And he's honestly considering HBCUs. And I'm wondering, are we going to see a similar domino where these guys are now looking to sign with another brand that isn't Nike or Adidas? What do you guys think of that? Oh, it's a good, good thought because a lot of people go in having a plan. Like most people who want to be, you know, a professional basketball player and who are these like number one prospects going into college and potentially lottery picks going into the NBA the following year. Their plan is, look, I want to be a superstar. I want to have a, uh, I want to have a signature, signature shoe. And that, that's typically, hey, that's a dream that a lot of people have. And a, a lot of times you go to a, a Nike, you're going to be overshadowed by, you know, LeBron, Giannis, Kyrie, KD. Unless you're bringing something to the table, like you're the next best thing since, you know, one of those players, you're not going to get a signature shoe. Now, when you go to Adidas, you have to wonder, well, will the signature shoe, will they put the effort into it that I, you know, because they're going to give every, they're going to give one player just everything. And it's kind of everyone else kind of trickles back when it comes to Adidas. So going to these brands like Li Ning, Anta, um, 
I would say Under Armour at this point, I know they are a American brand, but they're still taking chances on giving signature models to people uh, who, who prove their worth. So I say take the chance, build a brand uh, with yourself because that's what it is. These, these kids are, I mean, they're adults clearly going into these situations to where they feel like they can build something that, you know, with longevity as opposed to, Hey, I got a signature shoe with Nike. I got three models before they kick me to the curb, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's, there's so many, um, there's so many benefits for a just slightly less than top tier superstar, right. Mm -hmm. To go to one of these smaller brands because you know, I mean, Dwayne Wade is kind of like the the best example of this. Leaning came to the states, uh, you know, probably probably ten years ago. So I don't know if people remember, but like they uh, they had a, a Baron Davis shoe, um, yep. the, the BD one. So I, I have like a really kind of close connection to that whole story because when. Baron Davis was playing for the Clippers. They launched that shoe. They gave them away to people at the Clippers game. It was actually the very first time that I got to shoot like photos courtside. And, you know, it was a crazy experience for me. So like, I'm a big fan of, of, you know, the, the brand of leaning and like the potential for it because of that experience. Like it just, I'll always have a soft spot for, you know, for them. And I also think that they did something really cool at that point that kind of tied in the different cultures together where they created these, you know, uh, like vinyl figures, right? Like, I don't know, probably maybe 10 inch, 12 inch tall vinyl figure of the, you know, uh, Baron Davis kind of logo that has been drawn out, but turned it into like this animated figure you know, for like people that are into collectible toys and stuff like that, which I am. So there's, there was like, it was like, cool. They hit, they kind of hit on two marks that don't normally come together. Now, you know, fast forward 10 years or whatever that's been two, 11 years now, now you see, you know, all sorts of, you know, figures and, you know, toys that are the released alongside of things. But I think that, you know, because of that whole approach, it made me think, wow, this is a brand that I should be paying attention to, regardless of how they're perceived by what I would say is like traditional sneaker media, right? If you look at Dwayne Wade's experience, you know, he starts with Converse, he has his own signature shoe, you know, uh, basically the first player to win a title in his very first signature shoe in the Wade Wade Converse Wade one. And that's 2006. Then he signs a deal with Jordan brand, you know, becomes the face of Jordan brand as a player from Chicago that probably idolized Michael Jordan more than any of us could imagine being from Chicago. He gets to be the face of a brand that clearly he's a fan of for a very long time. There's a bunch of nostalgia tied to it. But then he walks away from it a couple of years later to start his his own sneaker line with leaning again. And that's where you get the way of Wade stuff, the, uh, you know, wow. And I mean, I think that opportunity in itself, like no disrespect to the guys that we're talking about or we will talk about in the rest of this conversation. But that's that's the 
ultimate of like the ultimate example of what you could what the potential is if you're willing to step back and and say okay yeah I, I grew up a Nike fan I grew up an Adidas fan I grew up a Reebok fan whatever that is but imagine being able to sell your own line of shoes now Dwayne Wade is putting young you know young NBA stars on his brand and they might not be a huge presence in the United States, but I guarantee you they're outselling a lot of the mid-level players that are wearing a, you know, a, a general release, you know, performance basketball shoe from, you know, your more traditional brands. So I think it's, I think it's a really cool way for these guys to, to really kind of have a stamp of who they are. And for a lot of them, you know, the, unspoken thing that I don't want to wish upon any of them but look if you're if you're a like you said a six seven eight you know player on an NBA team the odds are that you're going to have an opportunity to go to China and play much longer you know Allen Iverson uh you know Stephon Marbury like all these guys that recognize hey I can I can go do this and become a superstar on another level over here as well. You know, it's it's a it's a viable way to extend your career because the one thing that that is not unlimited in, you know, an athlete's life is is that youth, man. So, I think, you know, take advantage and build that audience as you're young and then you just become the, you know, the, I mean, look at Stefan Marbury. He played till I don't know how, how old is he? he. He played till he was almost forty, right? That's yeah, statue in China. Yeah, and he's a he's a superstar, like superstar. I mean, he he's kind of another one of these guys that we forget about his impact off the court as well. Because I mean, the fifteen dollars Starberry is kind of the grandfather for all of this in terms of forging your own path. And I think the one thing that companies like this can offer their endorsers and something Nike and Adidas obviously can't do because of how successful and how big they are is look at Steph Curry. He was at Nike. He went to Under Armour. Part of what got Steph to Under Armour was the ownership aspect of it. And that's one of those things that if you catch on to these brands when they're still young, in a sense, and you get that ownership stake, that might be worth it more because then not only are you setting yourself up like Nick was saying in your playing career, more importantly, you're setting yourself up post playing career. And it's one of these things where I think this newer batch of high school kid seems to be a lot more in line with that mentality that we always kind of herald Jordan for having, which is it's me against the world. I'm going to blaze my own trail. I'm not going to buddy up with anybody. I'm just going to do me. And I'm interested to see that because we always get new ideas after we see what the initial iteration of those ideas are. So Jordan was the one that had that first player line that blossomed and bloomed. So we're talking about it 20 years after the fact that he retired, if not more so. And maybe 20 years down the line, our kids are having the conversation on their podcast about, hey man, the Mikey Williams grow, choose your own adventure, leaning 14. That was great. Like, I'm glad they're doing this. So it's a good time to be a sneaker fan. And more importantly, it's a good time to be a player that's reaping those benefits because at the end of the day, they have that shorter shelf life. And I'm glad that they're taking advantage of it on a me first mentality. Yeah. And I mean, I know it's kind of something we're kind of, kind of hitting on the same point, but yeah, Michael Jordan took that path 
And he he's now a full division of Nike. You know, not many people can say that, but Dwayne Wade took that full path. Like, hey, I want to make, I want to build something. I am a full division of Way of Wade. Like, that is a separate division of Ling Ning now. And looks like at this point, Steph Curry is having that payoff for him because I know there's been a few episodes back we talked about that they may branch off uh, Steph into his own segment at Under Armour. And it looks like that's happening now with his latest model. Uh, they changed the logo for Steph now. And there's I don't think there's any visible, if any at all, Under Armour branding on this new model coming out. So I say if you pay your dues and take a chance, you just have you don't know what can come out of it. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm sure Steph's, like you said, sort of ownership factor, but to think that he would probably have his own, well, not only line of signature sneakers, but his own, own Under Armour division, you don't, you, a lot of people don't think about that because they're so, I guess, really bent on, hey, I want the coolest Nike, I want the coolest Adidas, which is cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you think long term, you can just have a piece of this company and have longevity. When your knees can't jump no more, you can go home and count the sneaker checks because you have a whole building with your name on it somewhere. I will say this about Wade, though, and that journey of being a young, promising rookie to a champion in his second year, and his trajectory as a prominent player in the league probably helped his shoe journey. Mm -hmm. And I take that back to what we're seeing with Fred Van Vliet, who, except for maybe that title run that he had with the Raptors where he was as pivotal on that team as anybody not named Kawhi prior to that he was probably playing some of his worst basketball but then he had that moment in the playoffs where he truly became their second most potent offensive threat and now he's parlayed that into a career with leaning and whatever team signs him up you're going to get a lot more money if you're Fred Van Vliet because now you've got that free agent check hitting and the fact that you've established yourself enough that one of these other brands who it feels almost derogatory to call them secondary brands, they're taking a chance on you. And let's mm -hmm. say Fred Van Vliet lives up to his potential and next year he's an all-star. Lee Ning looks like a genius because they identified this guy as he was peaking. Pardon the bad pun on that. And <laughs> Fred Van Vliet looks like a genius because of the fact that, hey, I'm doing this in an untraditional way and I'm hoping that I open the door for future unheralded players that have to find that right situation to hit that le next level in terms of their player development. Yeah, and I think that I think there's an, another element to this that is really fascinating to me just on the consumer side that I'm of the age where I look at these brands and I'm supposed to have, I'm supposed to feel like you know, oh, you've wasted, you're, you're wasting your time with these, you know, Chinese brands or non-American brands. But I 100% disagree with that stance. I know it's a very, you know, like the older generation of the sneaker consumer, I think feels very, uh, like very much like they have to have like a stronghold on the way it was, right? But to me, like the perfect example of why that is a terrible way of thinking is, and one. I love and one. I've been a fan since I was a kid. I remember cutting the pictures and the ads out of the slam magazines back in the day. I mean, I, I, I remember like the, like an and one trash talk tee. Like those were the first t-shirts that I bought with my own money when I was started working at like 12 years old. It was like, I'm going to, you know, whatever the sporting goods store was 
and jumbo sports, I think is the one by me. And it was like, that was my thing, right? Like I felt like connected to basketball culture through and one. And I say that because that's what most of, you know, people my age probably would relate to as a smaller footwear brand. And one had a huge run in the late nineties, early two thousands. They've struggled to figure out who they are since then. They've had some wins. They've had some terrible losses. You know, two months ago, they were, they were posting Fred Van Fleet wearing his new signature, you know, versions of their shoes. Now he's moved on to another company. And, I think that in itself is is kind of a, a great example of how and one kind of just continues to botch all of these relationships. And, you know, I, I say that in a way that's just like lovingly supportive. I really am truly a fan of the brand. There's so much there that I think has potential to be represented to a new generation of consumers that could really carry that brand. You know, I, I think... Um, you know, the guys at Ewing Athletics have done an incredible job of finding that, you know, consumer that, that really loves what they do, but staying in their lane and keeping it very focused and, you know, profitable where, and one, because they were, you know, more of a representation of basketball as a whole, basketball is way too competitive on, on, you know, at the level that it is now. Right. But if I'm thinking about it in the way that like an older generation would think about, you know, Oh, you, you could sign with a, uh, you know, a, an and one or something like that. Well, you know, most of the companies, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily mean to like talk down on Under Armour as much as I have, but like Under Armour's footwear has been challenged to say the least, right? I think right. many people would agree that they've only had a handful of hits out of many, many attempts. And, you know, for me, there's both a, a you know, a political aspect to that. There's a, a, a design aspect to that and just a general like marketing aspect to all of that. Now, Steph Curry separating himself and putting himself in a position to kind of own his own stuff. I think that's beautiful. I think his logo is one of the best things and and sorry, one of the best things Under, Under Armour has ever done. Um, his SC30 logo, and as mm -hmm. long as he's able to, you know, maintain who he is personally, uh, you know, the way that people, the way that he's perceived personally off the court, it will always be successful for him. I think that you know, I I tie those two companies together because as we were talking about, you know, before. We started recording a lot of the early people that were involved in Under Armour basketball were also the people from and one in the early 2000s that really made a huge impact on sneakers in a much bigger way with shoes like the Tai Chi and the uh, the two chillin and the KG line. I mean, there was a lot of really good, uh, you know, like fast looking sneakers from and one that most people that were paying attention to sneakers in that era will remember, you know, maybe not by name, but you would see a picture of it and be like, yeah, I definitely remember those. And I think that is, is kind of missed when, when the older generation looks at these kind of outside of the, you know, the Nike Adidas or maybe a Nike Adidas Reebok Under Armour level, they don't see that 
if you go to a, you know, a, a leaning, a peak, an anta, uh, you know, even like a three, six, one, like these brands are massive outside of the U S and they're also massive outside of basketball shoes. So, you know, doing something with a company that has the resources and the distribution to, you know, basically serve, you know, all of China, it means that you're, you're potentially going to sell, you know, let's like on a very, like, you know, uh, on a very like minimal level, you're looking at like potential to sell four to five times as many shoes to people there as you would in the U S and on top of that, the market in the U S is way more competitive for basketball shoes. So most people are buying, you know, uh, up until recent years, right. You're buying Nike, Jordan, Adidas, now you're throwing a little bit of Puma in there that's taken a bit of the market share. Now you have a little bit more with Adidas, you know, you have an ebb and flow, but generally speaking, it's a very tight knit group at the top of the basketball world in, in terms of sneakers. So the, I, I look at it and I see these, you know, young players coming into the league and they don't have a personal connection to an and one. They don't have any reason, you know, they might remember it and they might remember the mixtapes and they might have, you know, an older brother or a cousin that, that remembers it and taught them about it. But they don't really have a reason to have any loyalty to those like 90s brands or 2000s brands or any nostalgia behind it. Because yeah. if they're 18 years old, 19 years old right now, all that stuff was already long dead before, you know, they got to play basketball at four or five years old. So the opportunity for them to to get into all of this stuff is all new all strictly like i you know i think uh you know i forget what way of wade's saying is but it's something along the lines of like carving your own path right or choosing your own way or something like that that's mm -hmm. 100% it to me you know like that's that's exactly why you would choose that because at the end of the day okay, maybe you don't have some cool factor of like a Travis Scott collab or a Virgil, you know, collab with Nike or, you know, a Kanye collab with Adidas, but you're probably going to have more money in the bank account for the long term than you would otherwise. And it seems like a, a much more, you have much more control over where that direction goes too, because you don't have to really play by the well, you know, there's always a bigger superstar above me in this brand. So what does it look like now? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now I'm one of the greatest things and one has done is they made you the endorser because they used to have those tours, right? The mixtape and mm -hmm. it became a year long event. You were waiting for the next mixtape to drop at your Foot Locker or your yep. champ sports. And then when they were able to monetize that, if you will, and put it on ESPN, I had people in my life as a high schooler could care less about professional basketball, could care less about college basketball, but they had opinions on spider, on the professor, on hot sauce, on skip to my Lou. And mm -hmm. that is something I don't think we're ever going to see again because they were able to make a random kid from Oregon into one of the biggest things in basketball. And it's hard to, for, uh, it's hard to remember, but it's also hard to forget if you were part of that. And I don't think we're ever going to see something like that again. So that's why similar to Nick, I'm sure Mike, you probably feel the same way. And one mm -hmm. is always going to have a special part in our hearts, but it's going to be tough for them to capture that lightning in a bottle again for this new generation. Oh yeah. That's so much. And one stuff. It was ridiculous. Like that was kind of my 
entry into basketball because I, when I was a kid, we didn't really watch a ton of like sports. Like we weren't like, Oh, fuck front team for football on Sunday or, you know, watching basketball every night. Like I, I do that now as I just got older, got more into it. But the thing I really get, what really got me into um, the basketball side of things was, and one, just seeing it on, you know, ESPN or just seeing the, like I said, the trash talk tees, uh, like the, the basketball shorts and every like department store. Um, the, um, the Tai Chi was my first and one shoe. Then I had like the slip on mesh ones for like after basketball, like I had a bunch of and one stuff. And it's just, again, you're right. It was lightning in a bottle. I don't see any outside brand being able to catch that again, but I will always remember that moment in time and say those late nineties, early two thousands. It was just, man, it's fantastic. Yeah. I think the other thing that, you know, you're, you're kind of alluding to around the lightning in a bottle, right? The mixtape tour itself was so far ahead of anything else, right? It basically set the tone and the example for, you know, what X Games became, what Mm -hmm. street league skateboarding is now, you know, potentially even what the Olympics is trying to capture now by bringing all these, quote, young sports into, you know, the fold. And it really was something that you you can't really explain like if you weren't if you weren't you know paying attention to it like i guess the best way to explain it is i can't think of any other amateur sports anything that i would have driven to or paid to go see other than the mixtape tour, right? If the mixtape tour came anywhere close to you, you tried to go if you were a fan of basketball. And there was no professional athletes there. There was no Michael Jordan. There's no, you know, like there's no, there's no, there's nobody big. It was mm-hmm. just real and tangible and exciting basketball. And it was, it was over the top in a lot of ways, but like, it wasn't, you know, Harlem Globetrotters over the top either. Like, you know, it's like somehow, uh, you know, Harlem Globetrotters would almost be like the the old man's version of what it's you know, the mixtape tour was, right? Like, yeah, the mixtape <laughs> tour was hip hop. And, and it just, I mean, just, I guess me goosebumps just thinking about it because it was such a thing where it's like, even when they started showing it on ESPN, ESPN2, right? When it was like, when ESPN two was a, a big deal that it was like not ESPN, but it was like, right. it showed the real stuff that a lot of people wanted to actually see. So I, I don't know. It, it, it It's really interesting to think about that. And, and honestly, like I'd love to see it become something again. I think there's room for it. I think that you could put, you know, money behind it in a different way than they did originally and it could be really successful. And and they did actually do, I, I shot some photos for them for Complex Con a couple years back when they had KG um, kind of back in the mix to re- re-release the, uh, the Tai Chi and like an anniversary edition. Mm-hmm. And they did a really good job, but it was just like a, a one-time activation, um, you know, bring up, bring all the guys in and do interviews and stuff. And that that energy, you know, I think of like a complex con, but like, what about like a basketball con, right? Like, and one mixtape was, was all of that wrapped into one before we even knew what these big conventions were basically. 
I'm, I'm going to try to keep this full circle in a sense. The first story we talked about today was about a viral challenge, right? If things go well for Adidas and Google and Zhao Felix, that thing becomes viral. And we're seeing it every time we load up Instagram. And one mixtape was the very first thing that I can think of that was almost like viral marketing. And the thing that always got me fired up about it was the fact that the viral marketing that we were used to now is everything comes to your phone. Back then, viral marketing was you go to your footlocker on the day and you take it from them. And it's that same feeling. It's organic. It looks amateurish, but that's part of its appeal. And ultimately, it's a love letter to basketball because that's basketball in its truest sense. It's just 10 guys hooping with a crowd around them. And you've got an MC that's narrating the story. And it's one of those few things in life that you just want to be a part of. And to Nick's point, if it was near you, you were going. And <laughs> the measure of how successful it was is this. Nike's most memorable basketball campaign was essentially their version of the N1 mixtape, which was the freestyle. Because they, even they had to acknowledge the greatness of that type of atmosphere, that type of ambiance. And that is N1's legacy. And I really hope they come back to it. So Apologize if I start to sound like a New York Knicks fan where I'm kind of clamoring for my yesterdays, but that truly <laughs> makes me feel like a kid. And that truly makes you realize why you fell in love with the game in the first place. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's why I chose to use that little clip as the underlying, you know, beat for the intro of the podcast, because that <laughs> was like such an important moment for me and all of this stuff. So, man, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely... I don't know if I'll ever say I'll feel like a Knicks fan, but I'm definitely feeling nostalgic right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, what, what, uh, any, any parting thoughts other than the and one stuff uh, in regards to kind of these, I guess like sleeper brands. And I, I asked that because I have one specific request that I'm going to, I'm going to, wait until you guys throw your thoughts out. Yeah. Uh, my last thought is, you know, we talked about people joining the, uh, you know, the overseas brands doing something different. Uh, I think it would be a disservice of us, disservice of us if we didn't mentor Spencer Dinwiddie who said, you know what, I'm going to start my own brand. He's made a, a solid basketball shoe. Haven't heard about a single injury wearing a shoe. And he takes a lot of time and effort within the sneaker. We actually interviewed uh, one of the designers, uh, you know, Rob Purvey, um, a few, you know, a few months back. And I mean, it's successful for him. He does what he wants to do. He has full control. So it's can't, uh, again, we just have to mention that. My final message is keep getting them checks players. Like you guys have a <laughs> tough life. Take care get of your family. Money. Get that money right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think the other, the other kind of person that I think deserves a little shout out in this conversation would be Langston Galloway. He yes. uh, runs, obviously, is an NBA player, played for the Pistons most recently, but he runs a site called LG Kicks, and he's a big he's a big sneakerhead, a big collector, a really really incredibly nice dude. And I met him at a, at, um, I believe at like a, a, a sneaker con actually, but he has a deal with Q4 Sports, which is another one of these kind of smaller brands, but they're, 
they allow him the the opportunity to kind of create his own colorways, wear their products, but at the same time wear other sneakers outside of you know off the court, right? And I I'm really fascinated by that because I think that you know that's the that's a that's a truly authentic. We wear different brands, you know. Uh, the, it's the beauty of like that original Kyle Kuzma goat deal and 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 such. But um, the one grievance that I have with uh, all of these, I don't want to say all, but most of these brands that we've spoken about is that they almost never make shoes above like a US 11. <laughs> and it's impossible to find big sizes for any of them. So come on, if, if anybody could send this to a friend that works for one of these brands, just tell them to make bigger sizes and I will happily support. I don't need free shoes. I'll buy the shoes that I like. I mean, there's so many good designs out there from some of these brands, but it's impossible to find them in in bigger sizes. And it's really difficult to find the shoes here in the United States anyway. So that would be my other thing is just, you know, connect with somebody who can help you get a little bit more exposure in the in the U.S. market. If if that happens to be me, you you know, give me a call. I'm happy to help you out. (laughs) We're a little bit longer than the uh, the typical hour that we run, but we, as always, appreciate you guys rocking with us, spending an hour of your week with us. And if you could follow me at Nick Ingvall on all the platforms, uh, more importantly, follow at Sneaker History and make sure you're following Rowett and Mike. Guys, let them know how they can find you. Yeah, man. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. Then, of course, on YouTube at Mike Gillery. Rowett, where you at, buddy? I'm at Roheezy on Twitter and M 13 on the Instagram. Right on. Well, we appreciate y'all and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. See you. Thank you. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. First, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a part of your day rocking with us. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a few favors. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com slash sneaker history. Our Patreon members get access to exclusive episodes of the podcast, our latest merch, giveaways, and much more. You can become a member for as little as five bucks a month, and it really goes a long way supporting the crew. Next, make sure you're signed up for our email newsletter. We share updates about the footwear business, some of our favorite finds and deals, and other sneaker-related news a couple times per week. I like to think of it as a one-stop shop for the sneaker game, or at least a work-in-progress one-stop shop for the sneaker game, if you know what I mean. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. Whether online or in person, social distancing in effect, of course, it helps make the sneaker community a better place, and you never know what conversation and opportunity might come from it. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, And we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.